Hello, I'm Johnny. And I'm Victoria. Tasty Pages is the companion podcast to our Cooking the Books Instagram page. Each episode, we discuss a featured cookbook and rank it in a variety of categories, including food photography, design, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. But we also chat about any other random nonsense that might be going on in our minds. Funny encounters, movie recommendations, grievances, what we're having for dinner. In other words, typical married couple stuff. Whatever the topic, the conversation is always casual and unscripted and unedited. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) There may also be a cocktail or two consumed. We also share listener answers to a food-related question, and Victoria takes us to a different culinary destination as part of our Gastro Obscura segment. Lastly, Johnny shares a lame food-themed dad joke at the conclusion of each episode. Join us in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis for the podcast equivalent of that junk drawer in your kitchen. Tasty pages. You're not quite sure what you'll find, but it's probably going to be awesome. Probably. Twin Cities friends, join us on Friday, January 27th for our next cooking class, Gluten-Free Winter Supper. It's that time of year, Victoria. Peak sweater weather and comfort food has me craving roasted vegetables and cozy spices, to name a few. Join us for a culinary flavor tour and explore why these eternal favorites are so wonderful. On the menu will be grilled salmon with miso tahini sauce, roasted spiced carrots with feta, and a sesame butternut squash soup. This hands-on class takes place at the Cooks of Crocus Hill St. Paul location on Friday, January 27th. To register, visit cooksofcrocushill.com. This week's featured cookbook is... Evergreen Kitchen by Brie Baudouin. Hi, Johnny. Victoria. (laughs) How are you? I am well. Can you feel the Christmas in the air? Oh, yes. You know what I was just thinking of? What? How uh, there's some things that Lyft and USPS come to mind. You can give someone like, uh, what's a first class stamp cost now? Like 50 cents or something? I've, 60 cents? I don't Whatever know. It I is. can't tell you. It, it, it's a bargain at twice the price. So I could give this envelope to someone and say, can you bring this to my friend in, I don't know, California or something? And they'll take it and transport it and get it there in a matter of days for like a mere 50 cents, 60 cents. Mm-hmm. And the same with Lyft. Like you're going to go meet someone across town and you're going to probably have some cocktails and you can give someone like 15 bucks or so and they'll drive you over there and then you can have someone else bring you home safely. And uh, that's much less than the cost of what a DWI would be. Yes. And you can have a fun night with no stress or risk. You know what I'm saying? There's like some things that are just worth paying people to do and it seems like a bargain. And then there's other things like that just aren't worth it to be like paying someone to pump your gas. Right. Totally not worth it. Unless you live in New Jersey and then it's the law and you don't have a choice. Which is so weird to me. Yeah. Huh. And I think up until recently Oregon, but I think they might have changed that. There might still be parts of Oregon that you are required to have someone pump your gas because, you know, it's a very skilled profession. (laughs) Or happy ending massages. Totally not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast Talk. from Cooking the Books. Uh, before we jump into this 
fun-filled episode. I'm going to get a few housekeeping things out of the way. Christmas is coming up. Mm -hmm. If you were to go to our website at wecookbooks.com, there's a store tab that will direct you to our Amazon.com affiliate page, and you can make a purchase from any of those lists. We'll get a little affiliate commission from the sale. It won't cost you anything more. This is where you really should be doing all your Christmas shopping this year, I think, is through the portal of wecookbooks.com <laughs> no matter what it is shoes a tv we got a new tv yes uh it, oh i bet on a if someone purchased a tv through that affiliate link we'd get like a whole two dollars right or something Woo, we're rolling we'd in be it. really raking it in so yeah our tv is like our christmas present yeah so each year We've started this tradition a few years back and, and it works out really nicely. So we kind of figure out what we would like as a couple, like whether it's like a, a trip, although we haven't really taken a trip as a Christmas gift no. yet, or like a large ticket item. And we just say in lieu of buying a bunch of presents that, you know, are thoughtful, but we probably don't need and it just clutters up our house. We'll just get something that we really do want or need and then we just, you know. Do that, like stocking stuffers. That's it. Yep. So yeah. Works so, out nice. New TV arrived. Black Friday purchase. Or Cyber Monday. One of the two. I think it was Cyber Monday. Yeah. There you go. Our TV was old as hell. It's funny because this one is like, obviously we had a thin screen TV, but this one is like a quarter of the size. This is, this is like the thickness of a magazine. It's crazy. Yeah. All the cookbooks we review are, are thicker than this thing. By, by quite a bit. Yes. It's 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 insane. Gone are the days of those console TVs where they were like a piece of furniture. <laughs> you had to polish it with some pledge. Well, and then there were also those, uh, the Tubray TVs. Cathode tube. Yes, that yep. were, that weighed about 50 pounds. Oh, yeah. Oof. You never wanted to move one of those no. if you were helping someone move. <laughs> when you saw that they had one of those giant things, you're just like, ah, oh, damn it. Well, it's funny because when we moved, we had one of those upstairs it wasn't even like a, a gigantic like fat bulbous one like people are used to seeing but it was heavy it was super heavy i think it was just because of the glass that was in there because the glass was probably super thick yeah and uh yeah i couldn't give that thing away i think <laughs> i put an ad on facebook marketplace and was like begging people to take it away and then finally <laughs> like i i might have got like a, a lunch out of it or something that was about it half the people have probably shut this off already. I know they're like <laughs> blah 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 you're boring uh oh what are we drinking before we dive into things we're we're getting spicy up in here we're drinking some water wah 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 <laughs> I mean it is a Monday night it's a Monday when we're recording this so we're we're, we're teetotaling you want to talk about what we just finished up yeah uh we just finished extra good things by the Otolenghi test kitchen it was it was a thing yes it was we'll talk about it in an upcoming episode but th this was the first book that i felt kind of challenged us as far as our patience and our so you know some of the time required to do it was it was it was a thing it was just really involved and patient patience yeah. it challenged our patience um, and then uh, you're working on a new thing uh, over the course of the next few uh, weeks. Yes, uh, it's all about cookies by Christina Tosi of Milk Bar fame. Have you found that it is indeed all about cookies? 
it is all about cookies. <laughs> and uh, yesterday I made some dolce de leche cookies. After a false start because I got the wrong stuff. <laughs> I got like regular sweetened condensed milk and they needed to have that. Uh, the, the dolce the, de leche. That, that part. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the packaging, to, to my credit, the packaging was misleading though because it looked like that's what it was. It had that on the packaging well no it was it, the brand name was lalish lolly chera the packaging in the outside it had like a, a, a caramel oh that situation. is true that is true but yeah. if you looked at the actual can of dolce like it's like yellow and brown i mean of. if i spoke spanish i probably would have been able to determine that it was not in fact the right thing but, but it did say evaporated milk on the front oh okay <laughs> uh, whoopsies live and learn yeah one thing I wanted to discuss, we got we got a busy month ahead of us. Mm-hmm. You know, not only is it Christmas, the, the holidays are upon us. We finished our first cooking class. And it was great. It, it was super fun. Great turnout. Uh, it was at Cooks of Crocus Hill in St. Paul. So thank you to them for the opportunity and for hosting. It's been a minute since we taught class. Since the pandemic. Yeah. Since then, we've moved <laughs> to mm-hmm. a new city. But uh, we always enjoyed that. We're happy to be back doing it. Um, it was a nearly sold out affair too, so that was encouraging. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone that we met was lovely. They were there to cook, and they did a great job. Yes, but that was great. That was that was a fun time. We've got a catering gig coming up. I don't know how much we're at liberty to discuss at this point. Yeah, but it's ten days, ten people. It's, it, we'll discuss more when we're when we're able to. We're we're not trying to be cryptic and all that, but it's just. It, it involves a, a, a some musicians and stuff, and yeah. I don't think we can disclose that yet. So no. anyway, um, it's going to be a fun time, but it's going to take up a lot of our time. Mm-hmm. What's for dinner tonight, Victoria? We're doing takeout. <laughs> that Oda Lange book broke us. <laughs> it totally did. <laughs> we, need a, we need an easy win. Mondays are always a challenge, though, because a lot of places are closed on Monday. That is true. So. We're, we're going to have to look at our options. Uh you want to talk about the show question? Yes. Okay. So this was a fun one. We, we I think we did a similar thing a while back where we asked people what their favorite like uh, cooking pet peeves were. And we kind of extended this a bit. Their said, favorite pet peeves? Well, <laughs> their uh, biggest pet peeves? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so we asked them what their biggest like cooking and or dining etiquette pet peeves are Mm -hmm. and this was kind of inspired by i think i mentioned in the last show that i've been listening to and i think you listen to a few episodes as well but the podcast uh were you raised by wolves and it's just like these two people that discuss etiquette in all facets of life and um i was starting to think in terms of how it relates to food and eating and dining and stuff and so we put this out there we got some good answers you want to start with the first one? Sure. Mel- All right. Melissa G said when someone blows their nose at the dinner table. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd think that would go with, go without saying, but you know, people do it. Well, I'll do that when I'm like eating like next to you or something, but I would never do it in like a group dining. Oh, so you're just rude to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm so special. <laughs> I, I get the special treatment. Um, Nancy D said, get off your phone while dining. Right? Agreed. Yeah. Oh, drives me bananas. It's like, enjoy your food. Enjoy the company you're with. Well. Although I get if you're alone, you know. You might, but still, like, I feel like 
so many people when it relates to anything cell phone they're just so inconsiderate to how it affects the experience of people around them you know i see it at the gym all the time i see it on public transportation i see it in restaurants and it and it's like we don't want to hear your phone conversation i do not understand how all of a sudden everyone just talks on speakerphone yes why or it, listens to music I know Over speakerphone I know It's so rude Agreed What okay. else you got? Okay Writer Rhiannon said Water spout Dirty glasses Cutting corners with hygiene I didn't know what she meant by the water spout thing I don't either But I, but I totally understand like uh, When you have like dirty utensils and glasses at a restaurant It's not the beginning of a of good experience No At the Daisy Project said When people are rude to restaurant staff here, here. That is a right? big one. If I were dating, that would be an absolute deal breaker. I'd be like, go fuck yourself and walk out because that's not cool. Are you trying to tell me something? Are you got to get a hot date coming up? Or oh, something? yes. Oh, all right. Damn. I wouldn't have the first clue. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> dated in like, uh, how long have we been together? 20, 25 years? Yeah. 26 years? If you count the, the courtship. Yeah. The, the, my, my amazing courtship before we got married. Um <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have the first clue. I would be, I'd be lost. But definitely, if someone was rude to wait staff, I'd be like, nope, mm-hmm. I'm noping out of here. Old chick cocktick. I just didn't want to pronounce that one. Thanks. <laughs> uh, finger licking at the table or not washing hands before sitting down. Yep, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you're eating ribs or fried chicken, what are you supposed to do? You better get a big like roll of paper towels. Cause, yeah, you know. You're, you're going to need them. <laughs> um, at Aya Shams Eldin said, uh, please tell me cookbook step by step or with a photo or by photo. So, yeah, I think she likes to have lots of photos in the cookbooks, detailed steps. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate that. Yes. Mihan Mimi said, please don't lick your fingers. Yes. And she's very polite about it, yes. too. Thanks, Mimi. Uh, at MCC Sandy said, please don't eat your with your mouth open. Another polite you, person. You'd think you'd like these are just common sense things, but they happen so often. I know. Uh, kitchen bookshelf said cutting food with a fork when you have a proper knife. Using the proper. Oh, that that there was a discussion on uh, were you raised by wolves where they were debating how you should eat macaroni and cheese, whether it's a fork or a spoon. They both agreed it was a fork. Agree. But then after doing some research, they said on the package of. Uh, Craft macaroni and cheese, or maybe it was like on the website or something. Some of their literature, they showed a spoon. So it was like causing some debate amongst them. But then you can't put the noodles on the tines of the floor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm firmly in uh, Camp Fork. Yeah, me on too. That. If, if, if your macaroni and cheese is that soupy that you need to eat it with a spoon, you did something wrong. Yeah. And you need to like throw that shit back in the oven and get it nice and like nice and cheesy and and not soupy what else you got gimme meatloaf said picky eaters agree yes especially if like you don't have any you know sensory issues or whatever because i i understand just being a child yeah i mean i understand that there are people who can't who have sensory issues or allergies or whatever like it's legit yeah but just like i don't like onions or you know Ugh, it drives me crazy. And then lastly, at Petra Love said, taking a plate away when not everyone has finished eating. So I have exactly zero front of house experience. So I don't know what the actual etiquette is surrounding this. 
personally, like I kind of appreciate when people are very attentive and like clearing plates, mm-hmm. so it's not they're not piling up on the on the table, and you've got plenty of room, especially if you're dining with a large crowd. But is, do you know if is it bad etiquette if they are clearing the plates when everyone hasn't finished that course or that meal? Well, I think etiquette is is that everyone should have you know you should wait until everyone is done dining but also you know like it depends on the restaurant right like and i guess that would also depend on if people were because it's one thing like if you're eating like a multi-course meal mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're bringing them out at the same time probably presumably clearing the table at the same time but if you're all just kind of like ordering off a menu and maybe someone's got like an appetizer or like I would think under those circumstances that you would need to like just clear plates as they become available to clear. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't know. The, the, anyone who's doing front of house, they can, they can weigh in and let us know. Uh, what was your pick? Well, I had a few. The top of the list was what I called like fussy, close-minded eaters. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to what we were saying. Like it, it's, if, if, if you have a legitimate allergy or just a, a an issue where you, an intolerance where you can't eat an ingredient, then I totally understand. Or if I will even take that a step further, like if you're if you're vegan, vegetarian, you've you've got some uh, moral convictions or health reasons that dictate a certain diet. I can appreciate that. I can respect that. I think if your preferences become too limited, then you have to be mindful that, you know, if you're dining out at a restaurant or you're going to someone's place, you know, as like a guest for dinner or whatever, you shouldn't expect that Mm -hmm. they're going to cater specifically to your needs. It's great if they do. It's very thoughtful if they do. But for instance, you're catering for a large group of people. You don't want to have to adapt the menu for everyone just because there's one person that has a very limited diet or something so does that make sense yeah okay rude behavior and we mentioned the cell phone use already and uh specifically um and this just comes to mind because i think i mentioned to the listeners before that you know i am an audio engineer at a club and frequently there will be people that dine there before the music performance and then i would say a good 50 percent of the time depending on who's performing People will continue to talk and have really loud conversations while this performance is going on rather than be like a nice, attentive audience. And I think that's just really rude. But does that apply to like eating or whatever? I think that's I I think that's just in general. Yeah, I mean, kind of just because most of these people are dining there and that means that they're probably not there specifically to see the band. Maybe they are. But Maybe they they, they, they charge you a cover. I know they do, but that does not give you the right to like just continue to behave rudely just because you paid the cover. It's just an observation. But, okay. but uh, Fair enough. there's all kinds of rude behaviors that diners engage in with no consideration to who's around them, whether it's like other dining guests or in this case, like performers or wait staff or, you know, whatever the specific case might be using the right tool for a task. So for instance, don't cut a butternut squash with a paring knife. (laughs) 
I see that's probably the biggest one I see like on TV shows and stuff like people that you can tell don't cook very often and then they try and like they'll use a paring knife for or everything or they'll use like a fork in a nonstick pan and be like stirring <gasps> shit around or something and that and just makes me shudder I know I know I guess lastly what I had on my list was um, and this is going to sound harsh but what what I would refer to as like lazy cooks and by that I mean we all have that person that will kind of wear their shortcomings like a badge of honor and say like I can't even boil water or they just claim to be a lousy cook. The reason I was thinking of this is because I saw this little clip of like a from like an Anthony Bourdain interview RIP and uh he was just kind of saying like in his opinion like if you lack the basic ability to kind of feed yourself or prepare like a very simple meal for a friend or relative or or do that activity then you know basically you should be ashamed of yourself like if you're a grown adult and you're physically and mentally capable of doing a simple activity like that and you just choose not to just out of like apathy or laziness or whatever the excuse is not good mm-hmm. everyone should be able to prepare a meal for themselves mm-hmm. it's I an agree. act of care it's it an is act of love it is Anyway, that was a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I probably could add more to it, <laughs> but I won't. What's what? Are, what's on your list? Chewing with your mouth open or making like really obnoxious eating sounds like gulping or smacking your lips. Sometimes even like food noises really bother me, like crunching. You don't want me to eat grape nuts next to you? <laughs> no. I'll do that while you're blowing your nose. <laughs> 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 we can just like annoy each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i think fussy eaters oh like yeah just because you tried something once and you didn't like it and that, sh- that's a good point too i think there's a lot of people that think they don't enjoy yes. something because they never had it properly prepared yes. or they had a bad experience with it decades ago yeah and so they've just kind of given up on it yeah, or sometimes your tastes change. Right. Like, I didn't used to like salmon or mussels. Yeah. And I'm totally here for it. It took 20-some years. Right. But, you know, I I was willing to give it another chance, and lo and behold, there's another thing that I can shove in my pie hole. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, that's it. I'm, okay. I've, that's a good one. I didn't want to go on a big tear. Oh, like me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Johnny's ranting again. Okay, should we jump into this book? Yes, sir. All right. You don't have to be a vegetarian to enjoy this book. The author admits as much. She also uh, shares that she's not going to try and convert you to a vegetarian diet. Um, But you also won't need to search grocery store shelves for any specialty meat substitutes, um, which is a plus in my book. This book collects over 100 recipes that require minimal time and effort, but yield some big flavors. Um, In a crowded field of plant-based cookbooks promising quick and easy meal, this one stands out and delivers on its promise of low effort, high reward eating. Let's talk about the dishes we made. All right. We did a lemongrass coconut rice with roasted eggplant, miso brown butter pasta, broccoli salad with sticky harissa sauce, Barbecue pulled mushroom sandwiches and chocolate pudding with pretzel crumble. All right. Let's get the first one out of the way. This is like ripping the Band-Aid off. Yeah. uh, This was probably the least successful of the ones that we made. Lemongrass, coconut rice with roasted eggplant. Yes. So basically it uses medium firm tofu that goes over 
a bed of rinsed rice um, in a Dutch oven with coconut milk. Underneath the tofu, you place stalks of pounded lemongrass. Mm -hmm. And the tofu gets sprinkled with a little bit of garlic and salt and goes into the oven. You also roast up some eggplant separately. Once the rice is done, you put the eggplant on there and it gets topped with pickled shallots um, and ginger and a scallion oil. Yeah, so this one, I had a couple issues with it. I thought the coconut flavor was a little bit too pronounced and it just kind of overpowered everything. There, there wasn't like, um, you know, like sometimes when you bite into a meal where all the flavors are really balanced, mm-hmm. it's almost like peeling layers back on an onion and you just kind of discover like, oh, there's this, there's this. This one for me was just kind of like a little heavy handed on the coconut. Yeah. I wonder if coconut water wouldn't have worked better. Or, or just do- like sprinkle a bunch of flaky coconut all over it. No. No. <laughs> or do you like half water, Go half... big with the coconut. Half water, half coconut. Well, that was your complaint. I know. I'm kidding. Half water, half coconut milk. That might have been better. Well, I do find that if, if we're making rice in our rice cooker and you... Coconut milk, in addition to being a little heavy and fattening, tends to burn mm-hmm. easily. Coconut water... Works better. Yes. And it's a little bit more nuanced yeah. flavor wise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're probably right. Like if if that had been in the recipe instead, that might be a better option. Yeah. Texturally, this was also one note. Yeah, it was just everything all... was kind of soft. Yes. Um, yes. I think maybe more pickled scallop or more pickled shallots would have Helped or a just little bit, a or, crunchy component yeah, of some, some kind, kind of maybe some almonds on top or pine nuts or something. Yeah, some some kind of crunch. Yeah. So this one wasn't our favorite. You know, if it was tweaked a little, I think it could be really good. Yeah, and don't get us wrong; it was still edible. The emergency frozen pizza remained f- safely in the freezer. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to reach for that. So that was nice. All right. So next thing we did was a miso brown butter pasta. Pretty simple dish. It was so good. I loved it. Um, so obviously we used a uh, gluten-free pasta. It was shell-shaped. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the chickpea. Yeah, it's bonza. from bonza. Yeah, yeah. This recipe was super duper simple. You make a sauce out of garlic brown butter. How do you make brown butter? You heat the butter in uh, in a saucepan mm-hmm. until the the milk solids. Uh, brown but it can go from like just about there to burnt in a second yes can't walk away yes and also here's a little tip if you're ever making cookies the calls for brown butter add a little bit of add like a quarter cup of dried milk powder and that way you'll get more browned solids so it it's like extra Uh, extra delicious yes okay uh the sauce was uh brown butter and then there was some miso. We used a Japanese hot miso. The recipe called for white. It's got a little cute cartoon sumo character yeah. on it. Um, Look for it in your store. And then there was some sambal olek and some parmesan and a little bit of pasta water. Yeah. And it was velvety, earthy, spicy, really rich. Probably the easiest dish we made mm-hmm. from the book and, and one of the most satisfying Oh, it ones. was delicious. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, next up, broccoli salad with sticky harissa sauce. 
This one was a good one because it did, you know, it, we were talking before about textures. This had crunch. Well, the broccoli gets treated two ways mm-hmm. in this. And, th- and this was something that we kind of discussed in our previous episode that we we were using some broccolini and we had roasted it and the stalks were still a little toothsome mm-hmm. when the florets were like fully cooked. And so the solution here is that you kind of treat them separately and they get, you know, some of it's left raw, some of it's cooked. The stuff that's left raw gets finely chopped up. But what it does is adds that texture that we are missing in the coconut rice dish. Yes. Um, so along with the roasted broccolini, you also roast up some chickpeas. You make a sticky date sauce. Soak some dates in boiling water for 10 minutes and mash them up. And then that just gets combined with garlic and oil and then you whisk in some cumin, coriander. Then you add in the dates and harissa. Mm-hmm. And it just gets poured atop the dish when you're mm-hmm. finishing. Yeah. Ooh, and there's some slivered almonds in here. More crunch. More crunch. The, I like this one. Uh, we hefted it up a little bit, and I think we ate some sausages with it. Yep. Got some chicken sausages. Yep. Oh, we have a we have a local Facebook group, uh, Buy Nothing. I think it's part of a larger movement. And I think we've talked about this before, but you can get anything from some old smelly Birkenstocks to concert tickets to free sausages that someone received by mistake from Amazon with their grocery order. And so we got some free sausages last week and and it's and it's all local. So it'll be someone that, you know, lives in your neighborhood and uh, you, you know, I I mean, I'm not going to drive like 10 miles to get some free sausages, but I'll go, you know, a couple blocks away and pick them up. So it worked out really well. We got, uh, that's how we scored some food and wine tickets. That's true. That horrible, horrible day. That that regrettable, (laughs) not food and almost all alcohol. Oh God. Exhibit. (laughs) All right. Anything more to say on this dish? Um, I enjoyed it. It was really tasty. It was a little bit spicy, a little bit sweet, nice and crunchy. Yep. Everything that the lemongrass lemongrass coconut dish was not. Yeah. Um, This next dish was probably my favorite just because of the technique that it employs. So take it away. Well, and I have to say this was totally new to me. Yeah. Like, um, so what you do is you take, uh, we use king trumpet mushrooms and you can shred the stalks with a fork and, and the resulting mushroom shreds very closely resemble pulled pork yes it's got like this nice meaty like meaty mouth feel and you also thinly slice the caps and then you saute the shreds and the caps until they are nice and nice and brown mm-hmm. and then you toss them in barbecue sauce mm-hmm. Full disclosure, this one, this recipe called for a date barbecue sauce, but we had, we had a, a peach barbecue sauce that we had made previously kicking around in our fridge. I think it was from the What's Gobby Cooking book yeah. that we had just finished a few weeks prior, and we, you know, per usual, the, the recipe makes like way more than you need, and rather than make another barbecue sauce to stick in our fridge, we we made the executive decision that it was going to be close enough in in flavor that yeah, because it had that like Swedish sauce. Swedish profile. Not not from Sweden. <laughs> but sweet. 
this also had a slaw that you put on top that was mm-hmm. just cabbage, mayo. We use yogurt because mayo is disgusting. Um, <laughs> apple cider vinegar and some Dijon. Yeah. And we serve these on the gluten-free buns from Trader Joe's. Can't say enough good things about those. I know. If you need like a hamburger bun substitute that's gluten-free, uh, Trader Joe's will take care of you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think this is the dish that you serve to someone that is a hardcore meat eater that thinks like, you know, got to have meat and vegetables. Right. And, and, and this would probably satisfy even someone like that. I have the stew that I used to make. Well, when we lived at our house, we had a smoker. And so when Johnny would... Uh, you were the smoker when we lived at our house. <laughs> <laughs> um, when Johnny would make a pork shoulder, we'd take some of the leftovers and I'd make Bronco stew. And I would actually, you know, I could use this method to make the stew and it would be yeah, I think you could make it vegan and or vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Not and or, I guess. <laughs> vegan or vegetarian um, using this method. Yeah, but my mind was kind of blown. I was like, this is yeah. this is something that I've never seen before. Yep. See, I love it when the fact that this book did that for me yep. is amazing. Agreed. And then lastly... We did a chocolate pudding with a pretzel crumble. So I think... Previously, we had mistakenly purchased some silken tofu for something, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that might have influenced our decision to choose this recipe because it was a perfect solution on you know using this up. Not the first time we've done this technique. It, we we've made lots of mousses with uh, either tofu or avocado. We just made one last week for a different book, and. Uh, this one was great. I like the pretzel crumble on top. And we found gluten-free pretzels yeah. that we were able to crunch up. So the the crumble was just um, the pretzels, brown sugar, some butter that gets mixed up, bake it in the oven for 10 minutes. The pudding is tofu, melted semi-sweet chocolate, maple syrup, some cocoa powder, a little bit of vanilla. And you just whir that up until it's nice and smooth. And it, we topped it with uh, like a coconut whipped cream and some fresh mint. And I don't think that was part of the recipe originally, was it? No, I, it was just for like photo. Yeah. Oh, well, for just photo styling. Tasted, tasted good. Um, I think we inadvertently made this vegan by using that non-dairy yes. coconut topping. Yes. Yeah. Go us. Go us. What'd you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Oh, of course I did. Yeah. That... Pretzel crumble was the bomb. Yeah. It was so good. Well, that brings us to our rankings. And uh, this is typically the part of the show where we would discuss the most critical Amazon reviews. This book, there were no uh, reviews under three stars. And I even combed the four and five star reviews to see if there was any like constructive criticism. Thankfully, there was not. So I don't have any... Critical Amazon reviews to share. That's kind of crazy to yeah. me. I mean, I, I think it speaks for the, the you know, success of this book. That, yeah. You know, there weren't even people that maybe bought it with uh, bad expectations and returned it and then complained about it for no good reason. None, not even any of those. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll just jump into our rankings. Yes. Food photography and styling. 
What'd you have, Victoria? No, you go first. I always go first on this. One. I know it's, it's like a it's like a the format that people tune in for every every week. Well, we're gonna switch it up. Okay. What'd you What'd you have, Johnny? I gave it a five. Okay. So the photographer, I uh, believe his name is Angwil Demov. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Also happens to be her spouse. Strangely, I could not find anything on social media. Like I figured he had a Facebook page or Instagram to to uh, showcase his his work. Couldn't find it. Hmm. So the photos are what what you get to go by in the book, and they're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very vibrant and inviting. The styling of the photos follows a familiar template, and by that I mean unfussy preparation completed dishes that have like stray crumbs, herbs, or sauces kind of scattered about. Many of the dishes feature a utensil tucked into the dish as it invites you to take a bite. Lots of textured surfaces, lots of ceramics. Most of the shots were very kind of tightly cropped and close up. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't really have any issue with the photography. I can see why this is a popular book because if you page through it and we're just noticing the photographs, it would make it an interesting book for you to pick up. What about you? I gave it a 4.5. Okay. Um, like you said, very simple styling. And most of the shots were uh, overhead and of a single dish. Yes. Like there very were, close up. Yeah. Closely cropped. There there were just a sprinkling of like flat lays, mm-hmm. if you will. There were also step-by-step how-to photos in there. Yes. Uh, most of the surfaces were light to neutral and I noticed that there was like a lot of hard surfaces, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of appreciated. Yes. Um, Textured though. Yes. But, but hard surfaces. Yes. yes. And the occasional linen thrown in there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like this, and I thought it went. I thought the photography style went really well with the food, mm-hmm. and the food looked delicious. Yeah. And that's probably what, I mean, when we were first paging through this for consideration to feature it, that's probably the first thing that caught my eye was just all the dishes did look very appealing and, and delicious. And for the most part, they were. Mm-hmm. Um, design and layout. I gave it a five. Okay. This book had everything that I love. It starts off with a section about how to make vegetarian food taste better. You know, that's by adding like salt, fat. Acid, heat, umami. I think adding, someone wrote a book about that. Adding texture. Um, and then there was also a section of cooking techniques with photos. Like this is a five minute or this is a six minute egg. This is a six and a half minute egg. Mm-hmm. Like photos of said shredding, mushroom shredding tex- technique. Oh, and also I've never seen in a book before a step-by-step how to supreme citrus. Yeah. Which this one had. Normally the pantry section, I really just hate but Mm -hmm. there was some useful information in there about like cheese like rennet and whatnot Mm -hmm. so i appreciate that there was a section of recipe ideas for occasions and meal planning Mm -hmm. and then the actual recipe section is broken down into nine different sections there are indications of whether it's gluten-free vegan vegan op like vegan optional or gluten-free optional how you can change them to make them gluten-free right and vegan and the recipes that have more than one component like say there's a salad and a dressing mm-hmm. those components are listed separately and then also another thing that i really liked is um in the method section of the recipe 
in bold typing, in bold typeface, it would say, for example, caramelize the onion. Mm-hmm. And then it would walk you right through how to do it. Right. Like, it's just like, boom, this, this is what you do. This book definitely seems kind of targeted to beginners or like maybe people that are trying to expand their cooking skills and, and repertoire, but, you know, maybe not advanced cooks or yeah. professionals or anything. Right. So, yeah. It also had active and total times and serving size, which I'm kind of a, it really bothers me. That's your thing. It is. Um, and then there were. That should have been in your uh, cooking pet peeves. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and then there were like, at the bottom of the page, there would be option tips. Like, this is how you make this gluten free, etc. cetera. Um, and there were, there would also be like little informational blurbs on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that too. I loved everything about this. Great. How about you? Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, you covered a lot of the stuff. So there is a table of contents that includes all of the recipes at the beginning of the book. And I always appreciate that. It's becoming more common. But when you as a reader can easily and quickly just browse through the different recipes, I find that always really useful. There is a section at the beginning of the book that you mentioned, how to make vegetarian food taste better. And it just talks about those foundational building blocks, salt, fat, acid, heat, and umami. But there's also the mention of both texture and appearance to how how to make this food taste better because we do eat with our eyes first. And so it gives you some useful examples and tips for how to make stuff look appealing, especially when you're cooking for others. There was a double page photo spread of various cutting techniques before it mm-hmm. dives into some of the pantry staples and essential kitchen tools and, and you know, those ubiquitous sections that are always in books. So it had examples of, you know, a photo example of here's, you know, when something is cubed, here's when it's diced, here's when it's grated, here's when it's chopped. And I thought that was useful, especially for beginning cooks. There was also a whole section devoted to um, kind of common food prep techniques that would be used throughout the book so they had like an example of you know grating parmesan peeling vegetables measuring flour those kind of things i didn't find the ingredient and kitchen tool sections to be anything special but i i realize like a lot of books have them so i'm trying not to have it make me irritated (laughs) when i see them like you mentioned each recipe would uh note whether it was vegan or gluten-free as well as if it could be adapted to be so. Actual recipes begin on page 39, so that kind of gives you an idea of like how much material is at the beginning of the book. Each chapter begins with a two-page photo spread, and then it'll have like the chapter. And that's where I think you saw the photos where it'd be more of like a big flat lay or mm-hmm. like larger table setting something the narrative of the head notes for each recipe is very conversational as if it was kind of your best friend sharing a memory or a recipe recommendation with you it was kind of reminiscent to me of like the half-baked harvest books so the the tegan gerard where it many uses of the word yummy and uh enthusiastic praise for about how you have to try this dish or that this is amazing that kind of stuff not a critique but just gives you a sense of like her point of view and, and style and stuff. The font size I thought was a bit small throughout the book. Okay. So that was one critique I had. 
recipes featured both the active and total times, as you mentioned, as well as the serving sizes, which most of which were between four and six people, both metric and imperial measurements. You're saying like all the same stuff I know, that I, I know. said. Uh, we, we both observed a lot of the same stuff. I guess I had a few minor critiques, which bumped it down a point. But overall, like I, I thought this was the layout was really clean. Design was really easy to follow. Didn't really have any major issues with the design and layout of the book. Okay. That brings us to degree of difficulty. What'd you have? I gave it a two. Okay. I feel like I could execute any recipe with ease mm-hmm. from this book. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be like a valuable valuable resource to someone who is a beginning cook or just getting into uh, vegetarianism. Right. This is actually a book that I would gift someone. I agree. What'd you give it? I gave it a two as well. Nothing should be too challenging for any competent home cook. Even the dessert recipes remain in the shallow end of the pool. So they consist mostly of like cookies, muffins, puddings, things like that. Although there is a lattice apple pie in there that I'm sure I would fuck up in dramatic fashion (laughs) if I tried to do it. But for the most part, yeah, I think anything is going to be easy to execute as long as you possess just some basic cooking skills. So no issues. All right. Uh, taste, what'd you give it? Three and a half. Really? Um, yeah, I, I think some depth of flavor is sacrificed for ease and efficiency. Um, most of these are pretty quick and easy things to throw together, and you're just not going to get that kind of real hit of flavor that you might get with other books. The lemongrass and coconut dish aside, (laughs) I enjoyed everything that we made. So I think whether you're a strict vegetarian or just exploring a more plant-based diet, this would be a solid book to have on your shelf. Okay. What'd you have? I gave it a four and I pretty much kind of said the opposite thing that you did. Yes, with the exception of the coconut rice, I enjoyed everything. But I think that all the other things that we made had all the important elements of flavor so I didn't feel like it was lacking even though it was quick I mean I th- I think the f- the the standout flavor wise for me was probably that that pasta dish mm-hmm. the, the miso butter brown pasta I don't know I just I felt like you know the the pulled pork sandwiches were or the pulled mushroom sandwiches <laughs> I should say they were delicious and maybe that's an unfair one to judge because, you know, admittedly, we did not follow, you know, we didn't make the barbecue sauce from scratch. So, like, I don't know how we can really accurately judge that one on taste. I don't know. I just I didn't find anything had like a real like depth of flavor like it had been labored over for a long period of time. I mean, we were only half a point apart. Yeah. true. Right? Um, so given all that, is this a buy, borrow or banish for you? Bye. I agree. Okay. Yeah. And I and I like that you mentioned like I I would totally give this as a gift as well. So and, and especially for anyone that is vegetarian or that there I feel like this is something especially with New Year's coming up and people trying to make changes in their life and making resolutions, they might be looking to embrace a more like plant-based lifestyle and I think this would be you know, at the top of the list for someone who's in that situation. Right. Well, I mean, we've cooked out of a lot of vegetarian books so far this year mm-hmm. and for me this is the favorite one that we've over in praise of veg that one's pretty good i i think so yeah okay. it's they're kind I mean, of that's neck a whole and, other episode they're kind of neck and that's neck. coming up yeah okay 
How about now you? Uh, oh yeah, you said buy. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would. I would totally recommend someone buy this. Um, that brings us to the gastro obscura portion of the show, exploring the weird and wonderful culinary traditions, experiences, and ingredients. God, I got to come up with some theme music for this. <laughs> Where are we going to this week? Uh, we're kind of going to two places. We're going to Michigan and Germany. Oh. Um, this is the Christmas pickle, also called Weihnachtsgurke. Okay. Um, per the supposed German tradition, the first kid to find the pickle in the tree in the morning gets an extra present, such as cash or opening the first gift. And gets to eat the pickle. Yes. No, it's 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 an ornament. It's not a real pickle. Oh, they don't just put a real pickle. I thought maybe it had its origins and like they took a real. Well, like, I'll get and... to that. Be quiet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Um, apparently, in some parts of the Midwest, pickle hunt is a thing. The vast majority of Germans have never actually heard of this, so here are some possibilities. Okay. Okay. So one legend said that a Bavarian soldier named John Lower started the tradition. Uh, he was being held captive in a Confederate camp in Georgia, and he fell deathly ill. Uh, he begged for food, and he was given a pickle. How generous. <laughs> Better than nothing. Um, and he actually survived his illness. So every year he put a pickle in his Christmas tree to commemorate that he was still alive. Okay. Um, That's one theory. Yes. There is another story that uh, poor folks in Germany would hang them on their tree in lieu of buying ornaments. Saddest Christmas ever. <laughs> it would stink too. <laughs> <laughs> However, most likely it started as a marketing ploy in the late 19th century. Uh, Woolworths started importing decorations from Germany and uh, they made up stories to help sell what would have been an ordinary vegetable okay. decoration. So is there, is there like uh, examples of this occurring with other things like carrots and whatnot? Not that I know of. Have huh. you ever heard of the Christmas carrots? I mean, I've heard of hide the pickle but I was under the impression that was something completely different so <laughs> this is all new to me um, that's, a, that's a fascinating story it sure is alright alright if you enjoyed the show please rank us and review us you can follow us on our socials uh, our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books and our Facebook is at we cook books alright I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the uh holiday cheer for for the uh joke and this is this is kind of a two-part one this is this i, I spent some time on this mm. this took some time to put together sure oh you're in for a real treat am i though yeah. <laughs> uh so what did the turkey say when he encountered a hunter in the woods i don't know quack quack <laughs> <laughs> that's probably my best work yet <laughs> Is there a James Beard Award for food jokes? Oh, my God. Because uh, that, that, that is a great one. <laughs> um, but alas, the hunter was not fooled. His first shot hit the turkey in the leg. You know what he said then? I don't know. Wobble, wobble. <laughs> <laughs> See? Oh. <laughs> you you got to admit, that was pretty darn good. <laughs> I'll see myself out. Yes, please do. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a fantastic week. Stay safe. Stay hungry.